Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Um, but uh, Pastor Becky is here to talk to us about the Holy Spirit because we have made it past our first half of our Sons and Daughters series and moving into the last half, which is going to be about reflecting His image, reflecting His glory. So you guys lean in. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor and a privilege. I can't believe it has been a year since I first met many of you. So I came down to go to the Harvest Festival last year and uh, what a lot of changes have taken place in the last year. But um, it's great to be part of this family. I think I told you before, when I walked into church that Sunday morning, I felt like I'd come home again. And it was the first time I had felt home since we closed Life of Glory Church. So that was such a good feeling. And what an honor it is to be able to share the word with you today. One of the, my most favorite things to be able to do, and I'm going to start by saying many of you I know, maybe all of you, have heard everything I'm going to say today, but you may have an opportunity this week to share what I'm sharing with you, and so I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to reinforce some things that maybe you already know, or maybe because one of the words that came forth in our prayer this morning before service was one accord in unity. We want to be sure that we are all in one accord in this body, that we're believing the same things and saying the same things. So it's important that we be here to know what's the Holy Spirit saying to us today in this time and in this hour. So I think it's very fitting that on today, the day that the world has dedicated to celebrating darkness and it seems like the, the kingdom of darkness and its supernatural power, we are going to talk about the one who holds the ultimate power. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. And there is no more uh, a power or authority than what he holds. So he always trumps whatever it is that the enemy's trying to do. But it just seems like, have you noticed every year it gets a little bit darker and darker around this time? So today we're speaking life. We're speaking life that every power and every plan and every assignment that the enemy has against any believer or to uh, harm anyone would fail this day because of the power of God that's being released, not only in this house, but in houses across the city and across this nation. So we're going to talk about the third member of the Godhead. He is no less God than the Father or Jesus. But he is the one that we have to rely on every day. And before Jesus left, he promised his disciples that he would not leave them comfortless, that he would send one who would help prepare them and uh, equip them to face the world without his physical presence. Throughout, uh, we, we see John chapters 14 through 17, we see that Jesus was doing his best to prepare the disciples for what was about to happen. And like we would be, they didn't have a clue. 
You know, sometimes you wonder, how could I be so dumb and still breathe when we get a revelation of what God's trying to show us and it's just like, oh, I don't understand. But later, we realize oh, he had us in his hand the whole time. He had a plan and none of this catches him by surprise. Aren't you glad? None of what you go through today is going to catch him by surprise. He already knew. If you're going to mess up today, he already knew it, and he already had a plan to get you out of your mess. Glory to God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So we're going to look at some scripture because you cannot have a foundation apart from the word of God. And if we can't prove what we're saying by scripture, then we just may as well stay quiet. If I have an opinion to give, I'll tell you this is my opinion but this is scripture. This is what Jesus said in John 16. We're going to read it first from the Passion and then from the Amplified. He said, but here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. If we read it in the Amplified, it says, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth. And when I say it's profitable, it's good, expedient, and advantageous to you that I go away. And they couldn't understand what in the world he was talking about. You're going to leave us? How could that be good for us? Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, all those things that the Holy Spirit is to us. Let's look at that again. He's our counselor. He's our helper. He's our advocate with the Father. He's our intercessor. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. Wow. How wonderful is that? But if Jesus didn't go, the Holy Spirit will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And then in John 16, 13, he said, when the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard, and he will tell you about the future. The Amplified says, but when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father and he will give the message that has been given to him. Isn't it good to know that he has access to the Father and he's the one that transmits the messages? Amen. He won't mess it up. He will announce and declare to you things that are to come that will happen in the future. So it sounds to me like the Holy Spirit is extremely important to us in our everyday lives. Jesus wouldn't have said, it's advantageous for me to go. We need the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And I bounce back and forth between both words. We're talking about the same one, the same person, the third person of the Godhead. The one who's with us right now. Jesus is sitting, we're told, at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is here today leading us and guiding us. Everything that Jesus accomplished on the earth that had any supernatural power attached to it was 
accomplished as a man who was anointed by the Holy Spirit in power. He never did any, any miracles, any healings that we have record of until after he was baptized by uh, John the Baptist in the River Jordan, until after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. When God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in him and to never leave him again. He was the first man since Adam that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Who He came and he stayed. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on the prophets and leave. He'd come on the king and leave. You know, we see about Saul when he would, he would be anointed and he'd start prophesying and then the Holy Spirit would lift. He never left Jesus. Jesus is our type in shadow. Glory to God. In Acts 10.38, in the New Living, it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then, after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, and then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Is God with you? We should be going around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, but we've got to be aware of his presence in us so that we have confidence to go out and do good and heal all who are oppressed by the devil. So I'm going to talk today about the operation of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And his first operation comes when we enter the kingdom of God by being born again. And you know... Scripture says you can't even be saved unless the Holy Spirit's drawing you. So we prayed this morning that the Holy Spirit would begin to draw people, would begin to draw people that seem like there's no way, no hope. Maybe you've got somebody in your family that is just, you don't know how in the world they would ever come to God, how in the world they could ever have light come. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to draw them. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal light to them and remove the blinders. That's his job and that's what he wants to do. But he's not going to go places where he's not invited to go. We can invite him to go there. Those people may not be inviting him, but you can. You can ask him to go to those people and begin to draw on them, begin to reveal light to them. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples the same day. They were locked away in a room and they were hiding because they were afraid. And then they probably were really afraid when he suddenly appeared. Because <laughs> here they're in a locked room and Jesus is standing among them. But John 20 verses 19 through 22, it says, Then on that same first day of the week, the same day that he rose from the dead, when it was evening, though the disciples were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace to you. I can understand why he would say, Peace to you. They probably were scared witless. Amen. So saying, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy and delight and exultation and ecstasy and rapture. I think they were happy to see him. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Just as the Father has sent me forth, so I'm sending you. And having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. First time 
God did that, he breathed the spirit of life into Adam. The second Adam breathed the spirit of life into those disciples that were in the upper room or in the room, locked away from fear. He breathed the spirit of life and they were born again. Glory to God. That's the first step in coming to Jesus, being born again. And I like that it, you know, Jesus preceded this with saying, peace to you. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring us peace. And in this day and this hour, when there's so much turmoil in the world, when there's so much distraction, peace is a very highly prized commodity. And a believer should be in such peace that people are wondering, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you worried about everything that's going on? I don't understand that peace you walk in and it opens the door for you to say, I have the Prince of Peace on the inside by the Holy Ghost. So just as God breathed life into Adam, Jesus breathed this Zoe life, this God kind of life into his disciples. In Galatians 3, the Passion Translation says, so answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping Jewish laws? No, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. The Holy Spirit is a gift. A gift we should all want. A gift that we should all highly prize. Your new life began when the Holy Spirit gave you a new birth. For the disciples, it began for them when Jesus said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If it began as a gift, why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? God wants us to live by the Spirit, led and guided by the Holy Spirit, not by a list of rules and regulations. That's what he wanted in the Old Testament. In, when the children of Israel were wandering through the desert and, and God said, prepare them for three days and I'm going to come down and visit them. So they fasted and they got themselves all cleaned up for three days. And then when God showed up, they got scared. And they said, Moses... You go, you tell us what he says, you tell us what to do and we'll do it. Just give us a list. Just give us a list of rules. We'll do whatever he says. He scares us because it's so much easier to, it seems like it would be so much easier just to follow a list of rules. So God said, okay, you want to follow a list of rules? This is the rules. And as soon as they got the rules, they realized there's no way we can do this. You can't do it in your own. God wants us to realize we cannot live this life on our own. We have to have his help. That's He wants us to ask for his help. Amen. When the Bible talks about falling from grace, it doesn't mean you started sinning suddenly, or that you started uh, an adulterous relationship, or, or any of those kinds of things. Falling from grace means... You're trying to do it by your works. You're trying to earn his favor by how good you are or by what you do. No, we have his favor. Because we have his favor, we can live from the inside out. We talked about this on Tuesday night in our foundations class. You can live from the inside out, from that born-again place. The Holy Spirit can guide us and lead us into all truth. And if we are being led and guided by the Holy Spirit... Sin is not going to be an issue because he isn't, we're not going to sin 
against other people if we're being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. We're going to be walking in love. So falling from grace is just going back to the law. Going back to rules and regulations, that's never how God wanted us to live. He wants us to live in vital fellowship and relationship with him. So the disciples were born again. That means they had the same potential as Jesus. I think that means if we're born again, we have the same potential as Jesus. Amen. You know, we would, you'd think, but human nature being what it is, unfortunately when our spirits are born again, our mind and our emotions, our flesh doesn't get born again. I wish it did. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nice? We have a process to go through. And the disciples who had lived with Jesus for three years, the disciples who saw Jesus crucified and then saw him in his resurrection body, the disciples who were the first ones to receive the new birth by receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you'd think that they would have just been floating for months, but within 40 days, because Jesus was only there 40 days. Peter... How many of us can relate to Peter? Tend to get a little fleshy? Tend to get a little mouthy? Peter said, you know what? I'm going fishing. It's like basically what he was saying is, I don't understand this. I'm tired of waiting around. I'm going back to the old ways. He was born again. Maybe this will help you a little bit. How many times... Have you had an experience with the Lord and I'm never doing that again and then a week later you end up going back to your old ways. There's nothing new under the sun. Flesh is flesh, but we're indwelt by a higher power. Glory to God. So Peter said, I'm going fishing and there were a few disciples that were with him and they said, well, if you're going fishing, we're going fishing too. We'll just go back to the old ways. But Jesus didn't leave them there. He went down to the lake and cooked them breakfast. And I don't see that he really fussed at them for trying to go back fishing. He, he just loved on them. And he restored Peter, who was probably dealing with a lot of guilt. Because even though Peter was born again, he remembered what he had done to Jesus the night that he was arrested and beaten. So Jesus restored him. See, as long as you will keep a heart towards him, he's always waiting to restore and renew and refresh. The disciples didn't really have a good understanding of what had happened to them when they were born again. Most of the time, the church doesn't either. For the first, first reason is we don't understand uh, in most circles that we are a three-part being we don't understand that we are a spirit that lives forever we have a soul which is our mind and our will and our emotions and we have a body it's the soul and the body that gets us in trouble after we're born again not our spirit Glory to God. They didn't understand. Sometimes we don't understand. But that's why we're here. That's why we're in the Word. Because we want to learn and we want to grow. 
And maybe you already know all this and you're, you're growing and you're developing, but you may come across somebody this week and this, this, what we're saying today may be just what you need to hear to share with them so that they can come into that knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, we're told that Jesus appeared several times to the disciples before he left. But just before he left, he gave them some very specific instructions. He said, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were already born again, so this is kind of for, for that camp that says you get it all when you get born again. You get all the Holy Spirit there is when you get born again. They, Jesus had already said in John uh, 20, I believe it was 20, receive the Holy Spirit. But he said, you need more. You need more. Go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. Um, you will, in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, the, the gift that the Father promised. See, the Old Testament prophets had, had seen glimpses of the Holy Spirit coming to stay, and they couldn't ever walk it out because it was not for them. Do you realize how blessed we are to be living in this day and this time, even though there's so much turmoil? We are part of the church in the Old Testament, they're not part of the church. They weren't born again. After the church is taken out, they won't be part of the church. They'll be saved, but they're not going to be part of the church. We are in a select time frame. What a privilege. What an honor that he would place us in the church. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That is so awesome to think about throughout all eternity. We're the bride of Christ. Those in the Old Testament, nope. Those after we're gone, nope. We're in a select period of time. Glory to God. I just love that. But the Holy Spirit is a gift. You know, David used to pray, Oh, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's not a New Testament prayer. Amen. We are not supposed to pray that. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to stay. We don't have to beg him to show up. We can welcome him. Let him know that he is welcome in our midst. But scripture promises us if, if two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of you. The Holy Spirit's in. He's always with you. He said he would never leave you. So why do we think we have to beg him to come? We do need to make him feel welcome. Because we can stop him. By our decisions, by our words, by our actions, we can hinder him from expressing himself. We need to make him feel welcome to do whatever he wants to do. But we don't have to beg him to come. Hallelujah. So I just, I just like that we don't have to say, please don't take your spirit from me. He's already said he won't. So we can trust that. Ephesians 1 says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. I love that. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, that seal that couldn't be broken. In fact, now this is, this is my opinion based on what I have studied out. So I'm saying this is my opinion. 
I believe you're the only one who can break the seal. Because God's not going to. Why would he suddenly reject you when he had this elaborate plan before he ever created man to bring you back into fellowship with him? And then all of a sudden, because you mess up one too many times, he's going to say, well, forget you. That's fallen out of grace, back into works. You're the only, I believe you're the only one that can break that seal by a willful choice to reject everything that you once believed and walked in and turn away and say, I don't want you anymore. And according to Hebrews 6, it sounds like you have to be a pretty mature Christian who has walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, who's experienced the goodness of the word before you can even qualify to make that decision. So I don't want any of you worrying that you're going to lose your salvation. I believe you can give it away, but you really have to have reached a certain level of maturity to qualify to give it away. And if you're worried about it, then you're in good shape because the Holy Spirit's still in there. <laughs> the only way he'll leave is if you say, leave, I don't want you anymore. And a baby can't do that. Okay, glory to God. So I want you to be at peace, be at rest. God doesn't want you worrying about whether you're saved or not. He wants you to know who you are. So Jesus promised in Acts 1-8 that we would receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on us. And that was after the new birth. So two separate things. In Acts 19, or, uh, yeah, in Acts 19 we see another example subsequent to the new birth. Now, this is for those that come up and say, when you get saved, you get it all. You may need to show them some word so that you can show them it's two separate occasions. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Says they were believers. So what did Paul do? He laid hands on them. And the same thing that happened to the disciples in the upper room, there was 120 of them. The same thing that happened to Cornelius and his family when Peter went and told them about Jesus. The same thing that happened to them happened to these disciples in Corinth. When Paul laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. Somehow there must be something related to that power that's promised in speaking in tongues. If that's the first manifestation that we see in these examples. And Jesus told us that these things were going to happen. In Mark 16, he said, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We shouldn't be surprised about the tongues. But it seems like the enemy must be extremely afraid of believers who pray in other tongues because he has cast so much confusion about it 
in the various camps. He doesn't want you to understand the power and the strength that comes from praying in other tongues. And I wanted to mention this too. This scripture says that if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And I looked this up one time, this word drink, and it really had the connotation of if you ingest. You know, sometimes we don't know what we're eating. That's why we receive our food with thanksgiving, that it will be blessed. Sometimes we don't know what we're breathing. We don't know what kind of poison stuff is out there. So we've got scripture to stand on. If we accidentally come in contact with anything that enters into us, it shall not harm us. We have to know that God said that, though. You have to fight your battles with the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will show you what Word of God you use to fight your battle. But we need to know what He said that, that we can lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's written. If you're a believer, it's written. You can cast out devils. Sometimes it's flashy and showy, and sometimes it's just very calm, but there is a difference in the person. So you don't have to look for a, a weird manifestation. You can command that thing to go, and it has to go. And real often, if you're being oppressed by a devil, you just need to, you don't need, sometimes you need help. But you have that authority to just tell it to leave. You don't have to be its victim. you got the Holy Ghost inside you. Why should we put up with stuff from the enemy when we have the power of the universe on the inside of us? He's afraid of you, but if he can keep you in the dark, he can run all over you. And that's where he has the world, and that's where he has a large portion of the church, but not you. Because you're learning what's available to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's afraid of believers who pray in tongues. So the rest of our time here this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Because there's a lot of confusion about praying in other tongues. In Romans 8, uh, in, from the Passion Translation, it says, And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit that rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. I know we've all encountered times when we didn't know how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, you know, but the Holy Spirit always knows. It's important to, that we allow him to express himself through us as we pray out God's will in tongues. When you're praying in tongues, you're not praying your own spin on a problem or your own spin on a situation. You're praying out God's perfect will. And I would, I would say, if you're here this morning, you want God's will in your life. And one of the best ways to make sure that that's going to happen is to spend a lot of time praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. You're praying out your future. 
Glory to God. You can take care of stuff before it ever happens if you will spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. God, I mean, and you may not even know until you leave this earth how many things you averted because you took the time to pray out God's perfect will without your head getting involved because if our head gets involved, then we start thinking and trying to reason and trying to figure out why this, why that. Just let him handle it. Be his vessel. Glory, he can do it a whole lot better than we can if we try to figure stuff out. You know, people say, well, but I don't know what I'm praying for. Probably that's a good thing. You know, sometimes if we knew what he had us praying about, it might scare us so badly that we just would quit. But, but Paul addressed that in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive. Paul had that problem? So don't think it's strange if you do. So he said, what am I going to do? My mind's unproductive. It bears no fruit and it helps nobody. Have you figured out sometimes what you can figure out doesn't help anybody? Then what am I to do? Well, I'll pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me. But I'll also pray intelligently with my mind. Sometimes when you pray with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost, suddenly you know how to pray in English. You're praying in the Holy Ghost and suddenly stuff starts rising up and you begin to know what it is that you need to do. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that's within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. One of the best ways to enter into worship is just by singing in the Spirit. But I don't know what I'm singing. It doesn't matter what you're singing. You're expressing your worship to God in a manner much more perfectly than if you're doing it with your own language. You know, we just, in English, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, that's, that's our, about a, the best we can do to tell God. But when you slip over into tongues, you're able to express yourself so much more completely. And there's so much more satisfaction with what you've done. In verse 18, Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you or all of you put together. He probably, I mean, he was the apostle who was beaten and stoned. He went to heaven and came back. He was shipwrecked. You know, he shook the snake off in the fire. He had so many horrible things happen to him that I have a feeling he probably would not have survived had he not spent so much time praying in tongues. Probably everywhere he went, he spent the whole time praying in the Holy Ghost. Going from one city to the next, he's praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you think he got so much revelation? Praying in the Holy Ghost. I think that's one of the best. I mean, we need to study. We need to know the word. But if you'll spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll get a revelation of the word that you may not get just by study alone. He'll bring stuff up. You're keeping that channel from your spirit to your mind clear when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. In verse 39, Paul said, So, to conclude, my brethren... Earnestly desire and set your hearts on prophesying, on being inspired to preach and teach and interpret God's will and purpose. Notice he said, do not forbid or hinder speaking in tongues. 
speaking in tongues, your prayer language is for every believer. Jesus told them, he didn't say it like it was an option. Go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. I think that wasn't just, now the good news is we don't have to wait anymore. They had to wait for the day of Pentecost to fully come. We don't have to wait. You just have to be born again. Glory to God. Praying in tongues is like a hotline to God. I mean, you're going straight to the throne. No hindrances. Because your mind's not involved. Our minds will get us in trouble every time. You can do it by faith anytime you want to. You don't have to wait for goosebumps. You don't have to wait till other people are around praying in the Holy Ghost. However, if you're not comfortable, let me encourage you. Come to prayer before service. If you're not comfortable praying in the Holy Spirit, you haven't developed your prayer language uh, real well, come to prayer. People are loud. They're praying in the Holy Ghost. You can practice. Nobody's going to hear you because there's so much noise going on. It's not confusion to God. You need to be around people that are praying in the Holy Ghost if you want to develop your prayer language. That's how I, I mean, when I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just, it got stuck right here in my throat. It was like, that's about all I could get out. But I got out a word or two and my life changed. The tongues took a little bit because of the hindrances in my head. I hadn't been taught, but my life changed and I knew something had happened. I mean, it was, it was more real than being born again. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to me, was more real than being born again. Because everything changed. Up to that point, I wanted to do what was right. I, you know, and Paul talked about, I had the desire, but I didn't have the ability. Suddenly, I had an ability to do things I couldn't do before. Amen. Makes all the difference in the world. Jude 20 says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's like charging your spiritual batteries. Have you ever noticed, and if, you've, if, if you haven't ever done this before, let me encourage you to do this. You're tired and you're discouraged and you don't know what to do. If you'll just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, suddenly you'll feel peace coming in. Remember, we talked about the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, you won't feel so weighted down and discouraged and distracted. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I heard uh, Brother Hagen used to say, it's, it's like if you take a car battery and charge it, you're charging your spiritual batteries. And you're ready to go again. You cannot overdo praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid we probably all do it way too little. But I'm hoping today we'll challenge you to pick that back up. If you've let this aspect of your spiritual life drop, pick it back up again. Make it your aim to spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. As I said, you can pray anywhere. One of the, when I was teaching school, um, I had about a 30, 40 minute drive into Tyler. And so I would spend most of that time praying in the Holy Ghost to help prepare me for dealing with teenagers 
And it was always went better if I prayed before I went. A lot of times I'd go pray in the Holy Ghost over all their chairs, especially depending on what day it was and which students I had coming in. <laughs> and then you can, it's even better when you leave to go home. You're tired. You just want to get home. You're hungry. But spend that time praying in the Holy Ghost, and you'll be recharged when you get home, and you won't carry all the cares from work to your house. So those are some good times to pray in the Holy Spirit. Last week, you were challenged to spend at least 15 minutes a day in the secret place. One of the best ways to get in the secret place is by praying in the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you this week. Let's spend at least that much time. Don't, don't, don't take that away. Let's add to. We need to be adding to our foundation all the time. Doesn't mean we let other things slip. We need to be adding to. Let's, if you haven't been doing this, many of you probably have. If you haven't been doing this, let's spend at least 15 minutes a day praying in the Holy Ghost. At least, preferably, much, much more. Now, if you've never prayed in tongues, so it's been a while, I hope I've convinced you that it's important. It's something that Jesus said we needed. Something that Paul says we need. I say you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. He makes all the difference in the world. He equips us. He gives us wisdom. Remember all the things that he is. He's a counselor, comforter, strengthener, intercessor, standby, the one who leads us into all truth. And it's not just biblical truth. You may, you know, we're always, you, you misplace something or say you got to take a test and you studied, but it just left you. He knows the answer. If you'll take a few minutes to ask him, it'll just come up. One of the easiest ways to get it is by praying in the Holy Ghost. I want you to, this is my soapbox. I just want you to understand how much he helps us. We cannot do this on our own. The things of God are confusing to people that are thinking naturally. But we can change the way we think helped by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I challenge you, spend, spend at least 15 minutes a day praying in the Holy Ghost. If you've never prayed in tongues, it's been a while, let's pick it all back up. If you need a jump start, our prayer partners will come up here in just a minute, and they'll be happy to lay hands on you and help restart you. If you've, if, you've, if you've let it drop, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today is the day. You need it. You're going out into a world that's hostile. And you need the Holy Spirit. I, I'm pretty sure everybody here has been born again, but if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, you need to take care of that first. Because that's the only uh, requirement to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have to be born again. So I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come, our worship team to come. And I want you to examine yourself. If you, if you need to be re-sparked, 
Let me put it that way. Resparked. Come let somebody pray for you. Don't be too proud. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you have and you still haven't spoken in tongues, I am a witness that can happen. It was two weeks between the time I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues, but I knew something had happened to me. If that's happened to you, let's, let's let somebody lay hands on you and let's release that. It's get out of your head. You have to speak. He's not going to force you. We pray in the Holy Spirit by faith, not by some feeling. So if that's you, come forward. And if, uh, if you just have a need and you want somebody to pray with you, I would invite you to come because there are people here that know how to pray and they are ready, they are fired up. They may not look like it, but they are because I was here with them this morning during intercessory prayer and they were fired up. That doesn't go away. So we invite you to come as Andrew plays.